We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking Ryan Tannehill and David Montgomery on Roto-Biz Radio. What's up, Roto-Biz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners at Rotoviz, and we're going to be talking about some players that uh, have ADPs in best ball leagues that I am not sure make sense. I don't know if leading off at the top of the show with Ryan Tannehill and David Montgomery gets you fired up. <laughs> Everyone already skipped, man. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, let's listen to some greatest hits. <laughs> let's listen to a crime podcast. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> All right. Let's transition straight into yep. NFFPC stat attack. Because I think it's going to apply to a player that's on the board. Yep. Dave, in our tag team. Best ball tournament uh, FFPC contest that we got right now. We drew the 105, and one of the players on the board, uh, amongst others, is Jamar Chase. And I just continue to appreciate how awesome he was as a rookie, man. Just how awesome. And, and one tool that I hadn't really gone through much on Chase yet um, was that wrote of his screener, which, by the way, is the bestest and most powerful tool in the in the fantasy football injury for the uh, industry for those of you that like the deep research uh, and basically being able to toggle on and off nearly anything you can imagine um, in your query. Uh, I kept this one pretty simple. So uh, first round wide receiver rookie draft picks since 2010, just taking a look at uh, their year one PPR output and their year one receiving fantasy points over expectation. And man, I mean, Chase, and of course, you know he enters the the league in a 17 game season, so we do have to take that um, into account here. But the only round one rookie um, since 2010 to post 300 PPR in his uh, first season. Uh, OBJ, the only player within uh, kind of sniffing distance of that, he posted 297 points back in, in 2014. Next closest, of course, Justin Jefferson, uh, recently in 2020 with 274, and then from a receiving uh, fantasy points over expectation perspective, um, man, 95.8 fantasy points over expectation for Chase as a rookie, Dave. I mean, it's a double juicy stat attack. 
Again, OBJ second in that category with 72.3. You can do the per game math. Uh, Chase definitely um, impressing there. Jefferson, again, third in that metric as well um, with 63.2. I mean, it's his first season, man, and he didn't even play college football. He didn't play. He didn't, I, I mean, it, this is so exciting to think about You know what, what he could do uh, moving forward. A, a couple other juicy nuggets. Um, that we can tie to Jamar Chase. Um, he was third at the position in fantasy points over expectation per game last year, fifth in PPR uh, per game, fifth in raw PPR scoring, despite being 18th in targets, 18th in receptions, and 19th in team target uh, percentage, Dave. <laughs> right. He didn't even, he wasn't right. even an elite volume wide receiver yet. I mean, there's so much untapped ceiling left. For Chase, and he already has a 306 PPR point season under his belt. I mean, this is just so exciting, man. It, it really is so exciting. It really is. And I know people could say, well, the you know, with that touchdown efficiency, you know, it's no wonder he had, you know, was able to outbeat the fantasy point expectation so much. That might not continue. Okay. Yeah. That might be true. But I mean, you're going to be probably looking at more targets for him this year. Justin, or not Justin Herbert. Joe Burrow is probably going to continue to get better. And I think that team's probably going to take a little bit step forward too. So things are just so positive for him. It's insane. Yeah. So we're, so, uh, you know, tying it all together over at myffpc.com, home of the $125 best ball tournament for a $200,000 grand prize in 2022. We drew the 105. Um, we're taking Jamar Chase, man. It's Jam- it's Jamar Chase. You know, the first four players off the board: Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Cooper Cup, and Justin Jefferson. So two running backs, two wide receivers. A pretty typical uh, first four picks off the board. Sometimes you see Cup above McCaffrey. McCaffrey even sliding to one hundred four. Uh, yeah. Some of my drafts pretty common. Um, I, I tip. You know, I think this is the third time I've drawn the the one hundred five. I think this is my twelfth draft in this contest, and. Um, it's been Chase um, and two out of those three drafts for me now, Dave. I mean, one time um, I, I did take Jefferson when they were both on the board. So it feels nice to have another uh, Chase share here with Jefferson not available. I mean, the only other players we're talking about in this range, I mean, it's got to be one of the like elite volume running backs uh, that are just in a much more fragile situation. Could Derrick Henry return to 2020 form or even like the type of tear he was on at the beginning of 2021? You and I really lamented his injury last year because it looked like he was on pace for to make yep. NFL history. But you know, he's got the metal foot in his plate. He's a year older. Teams had some changes at, in, at the uh, across the offense that we'll talk about in the Tannehill discussion later. You know, Austin Eckler. You know, I don't like betting on him to score twenty touchdowns again. Najee Harris um, probably actually gets a quarterback upgrade, but that could actually mean negative things uh, for his receiving contributions. I mean. In, in some ways, you know, maybe Travis Kelsey is the the next best uh, potential player to consider there, just because of what what he means in a, a tournament like this with the tight end premium scoring. So, yeah. I, you know, we talked before the show. Chase, kind of the clear pick here. Again, you can play in this tournament too and take Jamar Chase with your 104 or 105 or 106 pick if you're lucky. Just go to myffpc.com and uh, yeah, enter, enter this tournament. See if you can take uh, Dave and I down. Or, or maybe try to finish second. Hey, it's been a while since I've had an issue with the uh, sound effects. That was the first one in a while. I kind of, you know, jumped the gun there on you. 
More importantly, no, I, mean, I, I, I paused. Okay. It, was, it was a premature. It was a, a premature touching of the sound bite uh, button. But uh, to be fair, my cadence was off, so I, okay. I'll take credit for All that right. mistake. All right, I appreciate that. All right. Everybody, though, does not want to hear about that. They want to hear about Ryan Tannehill and David Montgomery. That's why they're here. So the reason I wanted to, to talk about... Let's start about, with Montgomery. You want to start, start with, with Montgomery? Montgomery? I feel like more people care about Montgomery than Tannehill. Is that going to mess you up? No, it's not. That's that's perfectly fine. So okay. I have seen David Montgomery going around RB20 in a lot of drafts, and I am not sure that that makes sense. When I look at the running backs that are available on the board... That I'm adding to my teams, he's one of the few that I feel okay about. And for me, a lot mm-hmm. of that comes back to I think that uh, we've seen him prove himself to be able to be a somewhat reliable fantasy player, right? He's been pretty good over the last couple of years. I think that that workload that he can expect stays relatively the same. And I look at some of the players that are getting drafted ahead of him, and I'm not sure that it really makes sense. Um, I can also tell you. Uh, for example, if you look in uh, the projections that I would assume not only I am doing, but that other people are doing, he's going to be significantly ahead of there. And I think that when you tweak the knobs of things that could go wrong for him, it's hard to get him um, back down to RB20, knowing that there's going to be other players that can have those knobs turned similarly for them. From a range of outcomes perspective, David Montgomery is also uh, looking like he has a very good chance of continuing to be an RB1. So I'm looking at this and I think this looks to me like an opportunity to get a back who is positioned well to outplay that ADP and you don't have to invest too heavily into him. Uh, What do you think of that, Curtis? Yeah, I mean, on one hand, you know, it, it's it's much fairer pricing for for Montgomery. You know, I, I mean, you know, he did finish in in terms of raw uh, raw production. He actually was the RB twenty last year, I think. Let me get back to my aesthetics for page. Yes, but he only played in thirteen games um, on a PPR per game basis. He was the RB fifteen. So you know, he, he did outpace uh, his current ADP. The game splits app. Um, helps us unpack this a little bit. And so, you know, the, the big things to consider in Chicago this year beyond, and let's just even throw the Cleo Herbert stuff out the window. Yes. It's a new, a new regime that, you know, maybe not, it isn't going to be as in love uh, with David Montgomery from a coaching staff perspective or offensive scheme perspective. Um, but let's even just pretend that you, you think Herbert's not good and it's, it's Monty's show. So it's really just about what type of offense are they going to run and, 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 what type of impact does a full season of playing with Justin Fields at quarterback have on Montgomery's uh, projection? So the game splits app, you know, I can, I can look at what Montgomery did with and without Justin Fields in the lineup in 2021 across the 13 games that Montgomery played and without Justin Fields, um, Montgomery much, much, I mean, he, it's basically the difference between being an elite back and being, you know, another RB two. In the five games without Justin Fields, um, David Montgomery averaged 19 PPR per game. I mean, he pays for 323 PPR points without Wait, Justin without Fields. Justin, wow. Okay. Without without Justin Fields. That's what, you know, th- those those elite games that we saw in 2021 
those were non-fields games. I mean, he he was averaging 4.6 receptions in those games, over five targets a game um, as a running back. You know, that's elite running back uh, receiving work. Um, over 20 rushing attempts per game in those five non-fields games. We look at the half season that he played with Justin Fields. It's a it's night and day, man. So he he scored 13.39 PPR in those. I mean, so 5.6, uh, 6.6 fewer points per game, rather, um, in, in games with Justin Fields. Um, uh, nearly two targets per game fewer, uh, two fewer receptions per game. Um, averaged five fewer rushing attempts per game in the Fields games. So there's there's a, a crushed uh, there's a crushed receiving ceiling, probably as a function of uh, Fields maybe being more comfortable passing downfield than um, other Chicago quarterbacks last season. Plus the threat of Fields tucking it and running it um, uh, when other quarterbacks might prefer you know to dump the ball off. So you know I think RB twenty is pretty fair yeah. for Montgomery. I don't think that his floors. I, I mean. I don't think that the floor is much lower than that. So you could argue that I would agree with an argument that he's a pretty good value there compared to other running backs, maybe that are being drafted above um, those floors. So I, you know, I don't necessarily mind it that much there at at the very end of round four, you know, we're talking FFPC best ball tonight, but you know, typically, you know, an underdog, it's, it's the same story. I mean, this is a round four draft pick that sometimes slides into the early uh, stages around five. I'd feel more comfortable in round five, mostly because of the opportunity cost of drafting Montgomery versus other players available. So if I if I focus not on the players going above him, Dave, like you did, and I focus on who I could take that's going after him, it's yep. typically on the board. I like Terry McLaurin above Montgomery. I mean, I think I think McLaurin um, could potentially be a, a high end wide receiver too, uh, being drafted much you know lower than that. Um, you know, if I if I, I look at Marquise Brown um, and, and the situation that he's going into with his college quarterback and Kyler Murray Brown, also typically available um, in the same range as David Montgomery, um, Cortland Sutton uh, with with Russell Wilson. I don't have a lot of exposure to Sutton uh, because typically I'll pull the trigger on McLaurin or Brown there. Um, but in, in the event that either one of those two guys or, or both of them were gone, I, I like the idea. Uh, of Cortland Sutton there. And then even guys going like a full round later. I mean, I think it still makes sense maybe to have exposure to guys like, you know, Brandon cooks or Juju Smith Schuster, even over a guy like Montgomery, because in a full season with fields, I just don't see that, that ceiling being much above the RB, you know, and on RB two level. Like, I don't think that 2020 top five RB, in PPR scoring formats is really in David Montgomery's range of outcomes um, this year. So I, I guess I don't have as much of a problem with it as you, but I would say it feels like a fair risk in the late fourth. Okay. All right. Um, I will accept that. I will say this um, running backs in the fourth round, uh, probably for the same reasons as you, I have not found myself drafting because there's still wide receivers there that I have been interested in. Um, as a result, I, I, you know, don't have enough conviction to make a strong case here, uh, pro David Montgomery. So if people, uh, you know, want to attach themselves to the, the, uh, idea that, you know, it's not that much of a value that is fine with me. Any more thoughts before we, uh, touch on Ryan Tannehill? Uh, I I mean, I don't, I think that was enough. I think that was enough. (laughs) Yes. All right. So. 
Ryan Tannehill last year finished as the, and of course I have just lost my screen where I had up my notes here. So bear with me one minute, man, there's a lot of Ryan's in the league. Um, all right. Ryan Tannehill last year finishes in a points per game basis as the quarterback 16. He was 16th in touchdowns, um, 13 in attempts, admittedly only had 24% of his games come as a QB one, but was a QB two in 71% of games, meaning from, um, you know, that QB one QB two perspective, there were only 6% of games, just one game for him last year where he finished as a QB three. If you look at current best ball ADP, he is coming in at quarterback 24 when you look into tools that are going to look at what he did last year and project those out forward, they have him finishing as a fringe QB one, normally just a little bit outside. Of course, those projections aren't taking into account the idea that AJ Brown is not going to be there. Of course, yeah. we do have to account for the fact that Traylon Burks is hoping to be that one for one replacement. Uh, but the kind of the thing I want to explore here is, is that too much of an adjustment or can we use Ryan Tannehill as one of those discount plays we can get later? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply on teams where we're not going to prioritize getting a quarterback earlier on in the draft. Well, you know, he, he's probably part of three quarterback builds, right? I mean, I mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I, I don't have enough confidence in him to take it as my QB two, um, be, mostly because I'm not, I'm not selecting Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. Typically I'm not willing to pay the third round, you know, price fourth round price on those guys once in a while, something weird will happen and you get, you know, fifth round Herbert or something like that. Yeah. But you know, typically my, my QB one, if I pull the trigger a little earlier is going to be 
in that Hurts, Wilson, Prescott range. I just don't feel solid enough about Tannehill as my QB2. So if you evaluate him in the context of being part of three QB builds, I mean, I think there's some attractiveness there. He's cheap to stack because you don't have to go any earlier than Traylon Burks. Yep. Um, You can also go Bobby Woods, uh, you know, which, you know, in contrast to other wide receivers coming off of injuries from last season, you know, Woods' injury was was much earlier in the year. Um, so, you know, he should really be hitting and firing on all cylinders early in the season. Um, you know, I think that uh, Tannehill's offensive weapons, despite losing A.J. Brown, it's possible that the combination of Woods and Burks will will be, you know, better for him than, you know, when he had A.J. Brown and Corey Davis. Um, it's possible. You know, it's possible. It depends on how how quickly Burks, you know, really emerges as, uh, you know, primary or um, significant secondary weapon. Some of the concerns about Tannehill and why I don't feel good about him as a QB2, yep. I mean, why I think it's fair that he's going at QB24, which is basically everyone else saying they don't feel great about him as their QB2 either. Yep. Um, when you look at him just with A.J. Brown in 2021, um, in split, again, going back to game splits app, there's so many applications for this thing, man. Um, 13 games with A.J. Brown, uh, Tannehill averaged 19.9 uh, fantasy, 19.09 rather, fantasy points per game in those contests, uh, throwing a touchdown and a half uh, per game. Um, in the four games without A.J. Brown, averaged just 14.68 uh, fantasy points per game and uh, threw one touchdown in those four games. Mm. Now, if... if <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, pretty that's, gross, that's gross, dude. It's pretty gross. I mean, 13 PPR per game. I mean, that's that's replace that's I mean, that's truly replacement level, you know, quarterback fantasy scoring. Um, you do you'd be you could stream better than that for sure. Now in best ball, we don't have that luxury. Um, expanding that though, um, in the three seasons that that Tannehill and AJ Brown have played together, you get two more games where he's played without AJ Brown. And the trends still, you know, really hold, you know, overall he scores about four and a half uh, fantasy points fewer per game without AJ Brown throws a touchdown less uh, per game um, without him. Now, the other side of it is it's not just that he, you know, he has struggled without AJ Brown, you know, the other side of it, maybe the reason to, to, to try to push back or one way to push back against this is, you know, he didn't have Derrick Henry. Last year, and what we've seen in the past couple seasons is that, like, the games where Henry smashed were also some of the games where Tannehill smashed. It's like Titans' explosion kind of occurred in in some of those games, and that's illustrated by you know over the same three year sample here. So really, when when Henry started to emerge as you know a a really significant weapon, you kind of the, the post early career weirdness that occurred, Tannehill averages you know, almost five fantasy points more per game when Henry plays than when he doesn't. That's there's a 10 game sample of him playing without Henry. So, you know, that's material too. I think overall the Titans offense is probably going to be better off this year than they were last year. They're going to, you know, presumably they would have Henry, you know, presumably they'll have some combination of, of Burks and Woods for the majority of the season and won't have any of those weird games where AJ Brown is also not playing. So I think it's fair to argue that Tannehill might outperform QB 24. I mean, from a redraft perspective, you're never going to feel great about starting him. So he's definitely more of a best ball consideration. But again, I think he's part of, you know, three QB builds. And, you know, if I'm waiting until like that round 10, 11 range and 
starting off maybe with like Kirk Cousins and then following it up with a, you know, following it up with a, you know, a Zach Wilson or a Justin Fields or somebody like that. And then I just want that extra stabilizer. Like that's the context that I want him in. Yeah. And I actually, um, do not have a single uh, share of Ryan Tannehill on any teams, but I did notice that I've got a little. As that jumped out. Yeah. Yeah. Cause largely at this point I have been doing most of my builds just with two solid quarterbacks. And like you said, I think that Tannehill slates in more appropriately when you're going to go with a build with three quarterbacks, because though I think you can come up with some scenarios in which he's able to largely outform, uh, excuse me, largely outperform, that ADP, I'm definitely not banking on him, you know, being like a surefire QB 16, 17 even this year. Um, so it's really just a way to try to get a little bit of upside into that three quarterback build. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the FFPC tournaments, um, you know, I'm, I'm 12 drafts deep. I think I mentioned either the top of the show or earlier this week on underdog. Uh, we're also hammering those contests in the big board contest, which was the pre NFL draft contest. Right. Uh, right. I had seven, 73, 73 drafts there. I had um, 10% Tannehill. So just above, yep. um, you know, the expected exposure for, you know, presumed fantasy starter. And I'm pulling up now my best ball mania three, uh, my best ball mania three activity. I've got just 4% uh, Tannehill there. So, you know, overall it looks like I've got 14 shares of Tannehill and just over hundred drafts on underdog this season. Um, that feels about right. Uh, and, you know, I don't think that I'm seeking to be overweight on him. Um, certainly because like you, I'd prefer to have, you know, a stronger quarterback situation, but sometimes that's just not the way the the board falls. Maybe you get, you know, the, the, the one, one, the one, two, or the one eleven, one twelve. you know, subject to positional runs, et cetera. And you just can't, you know, have the access to every player uh, in each round that you would prefer. And sometimes, you know, you go a three QB route. Uh, if you, if you want to see, uh, some of the context for you know how to be a successful player in a three QB build. You can check out our roster construction explorer tools that we have at rotoviz.com. I mean, if you don't have a sub and you've just really been listening to us, I mean, and you just want to have fun playing fantasy. I mean, Sean Siegel's best ball workshop stuff that he puts out every year. I mean, it just it just really uh, it, it's just so impressive. I mean, he really gets into all the ins and outs of, of how to unlock upside uh, fr- from a fantasy winnings perspective, um, just by the way you approach structure to yep. team building and not necessarily even the specific players. We're going to talk about those specific players later this summer and in, in articles like Sean's zero, B, uh, zero RB countdown, uh, my must have lists uh, for each position, Neil Dutton always, you know, uh, hits up the tight ends for us. Um, you know, we have other guys, you know, Dave, uh, yeah, the, the, the Michaels, Zachary, I mean, so many players or so many different writers, you know, contributing to, to putting us on the right players. But if you like structure and, and you want to just play more from a, a strategic, uh, perspective in, in a high volume context, got to check out Sean's work. You got to check out our roster construction explorers for all the various, um, different uh, platforms that are out there. Thank you for listening to the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.